The Full English Breakfast is supported by Chess King, royally powerful training software worthy of Her Majesty's 60th Jubilee celebration. With Chess King, you can play, analyze your games, solve tactics puzzles, and access a massive database. So it's a great deal at $49. Bucks. Or you can pick up a copy of Chess King Pro, which is even more powerful, for $99. But to support the podcast, you have to use the coupon code BREAKFAST at chess-king.com. And when you do, send an email to chessking at thefeb.com to be entered into our next prize drawing. So go to www.chess-king.com. Don't forget to use the coupon code BREAKFAST, and thanks. If you can get Karpov introduced in the FEP, I think when I die and go to heaven, I'll be a happy man. This is Anatoly Karpov, and you're listening to The Full English Breakfast with Lauren Strand and Stephen Gordon. This is episode number 23 of The Full English Breakfast. I'm Macaulay Peterson. We're talking Tal, that's the Tal Memorial, another win for Magnus Carlsen, plus one of our favorite players, Luke McShane, in action. But first, International Master Lawrence Trent, the man who will die happy, and Grandmaster Stephen Gordon. Say what, if I die an International Master, I'm going to die, sir. That's for sure. You didn't even let him introduce me, man. Oh, we look at you with your big GM next to your name. Talking about introductions, though, am I, am I right in thinking that ex-world champion Anatoly Karpov has just introduced the show? I know, I was a little touched to hear that. Thank you very much for that. Anyway, we've got a load of clips to get to. I was in Moscow for one fun-filled day. We've got Fix My Wiki coming up with Yasser Serwan from the Karpov-Serwan match. But first, it's a good day for some pub talk. One of the interesting political FIDE-related stories in the news in recent weeks has been the president of the Turkish Chess Federation's decision, this is Ali Nihat Yazizi, to ban, effectively, many of the arbiters uh, who would otherwise go to the Olympiad from seven countries, including the UK and the US, that had been party to a lawsuit against FIDE in connection with the last presidential cycle and the Olympiad in Khatimansisk. Ironically, the lawsuit stemmed from FIDE appointing too many vice presidents, according to their own rules, and one of those vice presidents was none other than Ali Yassisi. So, a slight conflict of interest there. Well, there's an excellent article with an interview with Yassisi on Chess Vibes from June 25th to check out. The headline is, I wanted to shake the chess world. And a number of the federations wrote a formal letter of protest opposing uh, the uh, decision by Yatsisi and calling on FIDE to rectify it. And the latest news just this week, Yatsisi uh, resigned his, from the FIDE vice presidency. He continues to insist that the arbiters will not be invited from the affected nations, but uh, at least feeling a little bit of the pressure and causing him to at least resolve the conflict of interest by resigning. Well, it's directly relevant to us, Steve, because, of course, the English Chess Federation were one of the first to speak out about this. Well, I think that the argument revolves around the fact whether it's actually legal to do this and whether banning federations may be considered discriminatory and, of course, against 
you know, certain codes and so on. After all, it's not the arbiters of those federations that have been the ones launching this lawsuit. And what have we got here? We've got England, we've got Germany, we've got France, we've got Ukraine, the US. I can't believe I'm saying this, but in defense of FIDE, it's not entirely clear that the FIDE folks were in on this. Uh, at least from from the various open letters flying around, it makes it seem that Yassisi did this on his own initiative and uh, maybe, in fact, was getting some back-channel pressure from FIDE to back off, and that is partly what led to his resignation. I'm speculating there. But, uh, but at least uh, in this case, uh, I'm not sure that we can pin the decision to exclude the arbiters uh, on FIDE, although uh, presumably on some level they would have been happy to see the Federation suing them suffer. And you're right, the protest was based on anti-discrimination uh, language in FIDE's own code of ethics, uh, and the FIDE statutes. And one of the more interesting developments in the last week was actually that the Russian Chess Federation came out with a statement uh, criticizing Yazidzi and defending the principle of taking legal action uh, on the part of a member federation. So in conclusion, guys, are we, are we pro-FIDE or are we anti-FIDE? Well, we don't have to be pro-FIDE or anti-FIDE, <laughs> but we definitely are, we definitely are anti-discrimination. Yeah. <laughs> I mean... Mr. Yaziki, you know, I'm, I'm going to quote one of his sentences. We work hard, doing our best for chess, while some contribute only blah, blah, and do nothing but damage our family. I mean, come on. Yeah, it almost makes you wonder if he meant to write something there and just forgot and left in the blah, blah by accident. Exactly. Like, come on, if we're going to, if you're going to put some kind of formal complaint together and give proper reasoning as to why you're making a big move like you're doing you do not write a sentence like that let's just say for example that the english arbiters and the german arbiters weren't invited and then the federations of those respective arbiters then said actually do you know what we're not sending a team this year suddenly you just have a an olympiad lacking eight of the strongest teams if not more maybe that would then put pressure on other teams to think actually do you know what what the FIDE are doing isn't right, actually. This isn't right. We shouldn't send a team and just boycott the whole thing. I mean, that would be a disaster. Well, I suspect that Yassiti's resignation as FIDE vice president will head off any talk of boycotts, but certainly uh, people still upset. The arbiters are still not invited. It'll be quite a, a topic of discussion at the General Assembly, that's for sure. I think the takeaway from this is that <laughs> Most people don't give a damn about what's going on in chess politics, but uh, when you start having talk of federations boycotting the Olympiad, that's a pretty serious problem and a really unnecessary uh, scandal uh, over a two-year-old lawsuit. Moving on. Last episode, we had a very interesting discussion on the draw problem in connection with the World Championship and talked about a few novel strategies to combat the draw. If you missed that, by all means, go back and check out that show. We got some excellent feedback on our Facebook page, and I wanted to read a couple of comments. One from Dirk Decker. He asks, Am I missing the Kasim Jana proposal in the discussions, which is by far the best proposal that I've seen to make chess more interesting for the fans? Uh, no, we're not missing that. In fact, we talked about that at length 
In episode number 12, the British Championship special from last summer, uh, Kasim Jano's proposal was that if there's a draw in a classical game, the players reverse colors and play a rapid game, and that if that game is a draw, they repeat until there's a winner, so that each round produces a winner and there cannot be a draw. Another listener, Intermezzo, disagrees. He says, For the record, I saw Kasim's suggestion and some counter-arguments. I think they're hogwash. Too many games would be decided by short time limit replays. The problem with classical chess is not draws themselves, but short draws that lack fighting spirit. And finally, Aaron Daly says, Lads, the simple way to combat the quote-unquote draw problem is to make each decisive result worth an extra 5% share of the prize fund. And we had a number of suggestions along these lines uh, going back, uh, trying to connect the, uh, the short draws with uh, prize money awarded. So a lot of interesting comments, a lot of interesting food for thought, and you can still have your say at our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash the FEB. One of the strongest tournaments of the year was in Moscow in June. Normally the Tal Memorial is played in November, uh, but this year because of the candidates tournament next spring, which was originally scheduled for this coming November, they decided to move it to June which I must say is a much nicer time of year to be in Moscow. <laughs> but let's start off talking about the tournament with a quick clip from the winner, Magnus Carlsen. This was after his last round victory with the black pieces over Luke McShane, which allowed him to sneak into clear first place. I think it's been a very interesting tournament. I mean, there have been uh, twists and turns that I think uh, no one could foresee. And um, as for myself, I, I think, um, well, I started slowly. My first three games were uh, not impressive, to say the least. And uh, I think after, after that, uh, my play was um, was good. I mean, the game with Grishuk, although I didn't win, uh, it was an energizer to play uh, such an interesting game. And I, th I thought after that I was um, in the driving seat in most of my, my games. I'm actually the winner of the tournament that, um, you know, it's it's nice. But uh, I mean, like last year, um, there were a lot of um, fortunate circumstances for me in the last round to eventually uh, be able to win it. But um, that's, that's the way it goes sometimes. And uh, like... Um, Today I had to win myself, and um, I, I did, so that's um, all I can do. And Luke? Well, of course, I'm a little bit uh, disappointed with the, with the game today, but uh, in general, I'm, of course, very happy with, uh, with how the tournament has gone. Because I play uh, relatively rarely, I, I, I'm um, more concerned with the... Uh, you know the interest in the games which I can uh, create somehow uh, rather than my my uh, exact uh, score I'm uh, of course delighted that I managed to actually win three games here uh, the fact that I lost four is uh, <laughs> well uh, just uh, maybe the price I paid for taking some uh, excessive risks at times so Magnus Carlson getting the job done in the last round not dominating the way that we've seen him do in some other tournaments. Yeah, he started off slow, Magnus. But, um, I mean, that aside, I think we should slightly in, in awe of, of this tournament and the chess it produced. I had the real honour of commentating for a number of rounds for, for play chess. And 
I think this tournament just goes to show that, you know, chess isn't dead yet. Luke was certainly the catalyst for, I would say, the most interesting games. He had some absolutely brilliant games throughout the tournament. Some games which he would he would only dream about. Well, when he beat Morozovic with black, that's just an incredible game. I don't know if you saw that, Steve. Um, his game against Kramnik with white was brilliant. Let's not forget his game against Aronian in, in round three. In that opening where he just crushed Aronian. Model exchange sacrifice. I don't know if you can get a more sort of perfect display of how you can gain compensation out of this exchange sacrifice ideas in certain situations and yeah that should be making a lot of chess but i mean how often does leveronian lose with white a year a handful of games at most you know we were talking about the draw issue this tournament had a decisive result at least one per round i think it was averaging three decisive results and i think that's due to the fact that they were not allowed to offer a draw before the first time control. And look at the chess it produced. Look at the wonderful chess we saw. I know, of course, a lot depends on the players you have in the tournament as well. And maybe, you know, the whole reason why this whole thing worked as well is because you had the Morozoviches and Carlsons, Grischuk, McShane. I mean, look at all of these creative players. I mean, what do you think, guys? sort of inclined to agree with these things. I don't know how drastic they are and whether people would try and take advantage of the system by doing three-move repetitions and stuff, but I certainly think it would help. Well, what was interesting to me about this tournament was how compact the final cross-table was, Mm. and that also had the effect of having the lead change hands several times. We saw Morizievich leading, then Caruana was leading going into the last round. Rajabov had a chance uh, to, to if he could win his last game. Well, do you know, like after the penultimate round, I I, I noticed the cross table because Luke Luke won again, and I thought, is there a chance? In some way, Carlson had been quiet. I was very surprised to see that a win would would probably take him into equal first or first, just because he'd had such a quiet time. But I mean, it's a sign of a class player that. You know, you can go along unnoticed and maybe not be playing your best chess or have not been able to display your most exciting games in a tour or whatever. But he's always there or thereabouts. Um, it's just a sign of quality, isn't it? And so, yeah, I mean, and what did, we haven't mentioned Caruana yet. Well, he really put himself in a position. There've been there are a few skeptics out there who think that he's overrated, but he came into came into the tile stuff and you know beat Kramnik. Put a lot of other players away. Really put himself in a position to win the tournament. And, um, you know, what what an exciting tournament it's been. Well, definitely one of the reasons for the excitement was the presence of Luke McShane. Uh, now, remember that McShane got into the tournament through a, an unusual nominating process. There was an online poll, and he won, and so got that last spot. A number of decisive games, more decisive games than any other player After it was all over, I actually got to have dinner with Luke and had a chance to chat with him, uh, looking back over his previous week in Moscow. Even uh, given today, which was obviously not the way you wanted to end, you really had a phenomenal tournament and a very interesting one as well. Yeah, that's right. Uh, I mean, as you say, today I'm a little disappointed, but uh, when I look back, I've got 
uh, a lot of reasons to to be happy. I mean, when I when I got here, I knew that uh, it was going to be difficult to you know win any games at all. Um, and after the first couple of rounds, of course, I was uh, having some doubts. But uh, it was an enormous kind of boost to my confidence to win you know against Aronian. I mean, a, a game that I, I think I can be very proud of. Uh, I mean, a game like that probably isn't uh, going to happen to me you know especially often. Um, then to to actually go on and, and win a couple of other very interesting games against such an extremely strong opposition was for sure something I could be could be very happy with. Well, and you also got to play a spoiler in a way because you were beating the leaders in back-to-back <laughs> rounds. <laughs> well, yeah, but actually I think the lead changed hands uh, many times. Uh, so that's true, but I, I wasn't the only one doing that. I think. Yeah. yeah, you were the only one, however, who is not a professional player. I mean, did you have a chance to prepare seriously or would your work obligations get in the way? Uh, well, I mean, I, of course, had a lot less time than all of my opponents, I'm sure about that. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I, I tried to, you know, prepare as I could. And, um, you know, seconding I had here from Peter Wells was uh, very, very helpful as well. It's quite dangerous in these in these uh, tournaments. I mean, if you, if you somehow, you get... Uh, an unpleasant position with black every day and you have no advantage with white every day then it can be really tough although I was uh, probably less uh, prepared than my opponents I, I, I managed to uh, avoid that you know, situation so uh, in, in that respect I think that uh, we did quite well Was it easy to get time off work? I mean, can you just say, listen, i got to go play in this chess tournament in Moscow, uh, see you in a couple of weeks? Well, yeah, I mean, uh, I don't have to work, you know, 365 days of the year, so, yeah. Do you have to uh, go back to work tomorrow, or do you still get some recovery time? I'm actually back to work tomorrow, yes. No kidding? Yeah. <laughs> Man, uh, how, how is that even possible? Are you not leaving tonight, are you? Um, well, I'm leaving, yeah, early in the morning, and, um, yeah. <laughs> Considering how little you, you do play, it leads one to think that if you, if you did actually take it seriously and play chess, you could really break into the upper echelons. Uh, maybe, maybe. I don't know. Um, of course, it's always... Yeah, it's hard to... It's hard to I don't know. Yeah, it's hard to... <laughs> I mean, of course, well, it's, it's, it's all hypothetical, you know what I mean? Yeah, so. but I mean, it's, it's obviously something that you've, you've had to wrestle with at different stages of your chess life. For sure, yeah. Um, does having a, a tournament like this, an experience like this, uh, make you more inclined to try playing chess professionally? You know, I mean, well, of course, I've, I've also d- done it uh, uh, in the past, but, you know, right now I'm, I'm, I'm happy doing what I'm what I'm doing so the, the two tournaments a year is enough uh, well <laughs> I mean who, who knows yeah but at the moment you're not expecting to play again until possibly December in London yeah no I, d- I don't have any particular plans so yeah, yeah. no Olympiad uh... um, no un- unfortunately I, I suspect that I, I won't be able to play at the Olympiad uh, it would be nice to be able to play but yeah <laughs> Can't do everything. That's the that's the problem. So no McShane on the Olympiad squad, but he has been invited to the next London Chess Classic. Yes, indeed. I mean, just a great performance by Luke. He's an incredible player, and to win in that style for somebody who doesn't even play professionally against the best in the world, just take my hat off to him. Came in with a decent game plan. I mean, this A6 Slav that he picked against the big guys, Aronian and an M4 Morozevich. 
I think it was a very smart opening choice, just tempting those guys to try and get into tangled positions against him, and he really got a chance to show what he can do. So, yeah, great performance. It's a shame that he's a full-time worker. I mean, we'd love to see a bit more of him. We think he's awesome. McShane is a little conflicted about uh, working full-time as well. Someone else with some thoughts on the subject was his second Grandmaster Peter Wells, who will be captaining the English team at the Olympiad. I think what he said at the press conference at the end is basically true. You know, it, One of the advantages of being an amateur player is that you can look a little bit more to the sort of creative side of the game rather than just the results and various other... And I I think to some extent he was doing that and he was clearly really going for it in the last well actually in all the games but in the last three rounds it looked like it even it was more obvious to everybody the extent to which he was going for it I think we're obviously delighted with this I mean I don't know we didn't really discuss sort of target scores or target victories at the beginning of the tournament but I think by the time he'd won a couple of games you know this is this is a pretty fair achievement as long as you can you know, stay solid in a reasonable number of others. So after that, what happened was a bonus. <laughs> From a personal experience, I found it a, a lot easier to enjoy chess and try and play creative chess when I've not been relying on picking up some prize money at the end of the tournament to you know um, fund the next one. Yeah, in some way, it's probably helping him to play this uh, some of these beautiful games that he's playing. Yeah, maybe there's there's obviously not the financial pressure to play as solidly, so why not try and wheel out some some absolute beauties? And that he certainly did. Well, before we leave the Tal Memorial, we'll resurrect our sixty seconds with segment. One of the solid professionals at the Tal Memorial, who many of the listeners may not be too familiar with is Yevgeny Tomashevsky, one of the top Russian players, but there are so many top Russian players that he hasn't gotten the invites to some of the super tournaments. Here is 60 Seconds with Yevgeny Tomashevsky. Oh, okay, it's, it's very nice uh, to be the 15th uh, or 16th in the world, and uh, at the same time, uh, the 6th in your country. <laughs> Our country is uh, very strong in chess, and to be one of the strongest here, uh, means that you're a really good player. Yes, uh, in the rating list uh, there are many Russians who uh, has a real rating uh, higher than me uh, and uh, probably the organizers want to invite uh, somebody else uh, from other countries. But uh, I have some advantages uh, from being Russian because of we have uh, strong support here, uh, strong uh, tournaments domestic uh, like uh, highest leagues, uh, super finals. Uh, so, li- like always, uh, advantages and disadvantages <laughs> uh, equalize each other. Yeah. Well, when you finally get this opportunity, uh, does it put a little bit of added pressure on you because you don't know how many of these chances you'll get that you really want to show something? Oh, it, it was uh, quite difficult to start this tournament uh, because of uh, my first uh, stro- strongest tournament uh, in Korea and uh, in third games uh, I show uh, bad chess. I was totally outplayed in uh, some games, but in the second half of the tournament I played uh, my game and uh, drew 
against Magnus, uh, one uh, against Marozevic. So uh, I, I think uh, my quality of play became much better uh, during the tournament from the first uh, round to the ninth. Now uh, I can't uh, explain this <laughs> phenomenon, uh, so I, I must think about it. Did you have some nerves? Oh, not so big nerves, uh, but uh, it's a big difference to play uh, top five or even uh, top twenty. Uh, they uh, can uh, keep the tension uh, much better than other players in the world, and uh, to make uh, uh, decisions uh, under the pressure. To be elite player, really elite player, the top player. Uh, you must uh, uh, play well under the pressure. So it was difficult for me in the first round. One thing about Tomaszewski is that he is Mr. Reliable. He really is. He ain't going to get beaten that much. And if he can work on certain aspects of his games and just get the win ratio up slightly, perhaps with the white pieces... He's going to be doing really well. I mean, I know in this tournament he got three and a half. He lost against Karawan, who was in form. He lost against Rajabov. And I think he also lost against Kramnik. But, you know, a number of good solid draws there. absolutely think he's one that can get close to the, the upper echelons at 27, 60, 70 and 80 mark in the next couple of years. Well, Tomaszewski is still only 25 years old. He's going to be hitting his prime in a few more years. And so we'll uh, look forward to seeing some more Super Tournament invites for him. And finally, on the show, earlier this month, I was in St. Louis for the Karpov Serwan exhibition match. They played Classical, Rapid, and Blitz. It was very close, and Karpov won in the Blitz section. You can read all about that at stlouischessclub.org, including a replay of all of the live commentary. But after the Rapid portion, I grabbed Yasser to pull up his Wikipedia entry. And you can do the same if you Google Serwan Wiki or visit our Facebook page. We'll have the link there. You can play along. It's Fix My Wiki. Wow. Okay, so, first, I was indeed born in Damascus. My father is Syrian. My mother is English. Well, actually, I lived in Syria till the age of four. Then we moved to England, and I lived in England from the age of uh, four to seven. And at seven years old, uh, we moved to Seattle. My father was hired by Boeing. I attended Queen Anne Elementary School, Meany Middle School, and Garfield High School. So, so McClure, that's something no, I don't know where that came from. That's not there yeah, at all. How do you spell Meanie? M-E-A-N-Y. Correct. For many years, he was a, for 12 years, he was a publisher. Uh, the chief editor was Mike Furnett. I was just So we're talking, about, we're talking about Inside Chess Magazine. That was your magazine. Right. For 12 years. Right. More specific detail rather than many years. That's yes. very, very important. Yes. Be specific. And it never became an internet-only magazine. We, 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 we published the magazine and uh, for 12 years, and then we sold it to Han and Russell of Chess Cafe dot com website so what Hannon uh, did was he took articles from those 12 years uh, tons and tons of articles and 
and put them on as a feature. The Prague、uh, Agreement, unfortunately. So, which section are we looking at? In 2001,、uh, released a plan. It was called Fresh Start. Was the plan, but then it was in Prague that all the principles came together, with the exception of Ruslan Panamaryov. By the way, Ruslan was not in Prague. Everybody else was. And then the winners of these matches would play and be unified. Yes, this plan was the Prague Agreement, and this particular became moot. I think it became moot because in 2005 Gary retired, <laughs> not because of a match that took place in 2006. So this is interesting. So the, for those people who don't know, the, the Prague Agreement, of course, was supposed to reunite Kasparov with the Fide title after there had been this this schism. Fide and Kramnik as well, because. Kramnik was also outside of the FIDE cycle at that、right. moment.、Uh, the calendar that was agreed to would have seen the unification take place in 2003. Following a series of events, Serwan participated in China during September 2003. I would rather have said that Serwan retired. In 2007, unveiled his enhanced chess game called Serwan Chess. I think it was before that, but that's okay. I'm not. Actively promoting it, but、uh, what we're doing with S Chess is we're trying to put it on a server online.、Uh, it's a great game, by the way. It's a, it's, it's a great variant of chess. It really is. In July 2011, Serwan returned from hiatus. I actually played in the U.S.、Uh, championship in May. 2011. So that's just kind of wrong, right there. He had significant results. Oh wow! Including wins versus Grandmaster Judith Polgar and Shek, both active and much higher rated.、Mm. <laughs> That's an awful entry. It really is bad. I mean, I can see why you guys have a lot of fun with it. <laughs> Good grief! Very untrustworthy. Very untrustworthy. Not complete. It's not well written. It's not objective. It's not trustworthy. <laughs> so it's like oh for four. <laughs> And we could say that you're highly knowledgeable on the subject. I am very highly knowledgeable on the subject. <laughs> True enough. Remember, this is a public service of the Full English Breakfast. Fix Grandmaster Yasser Serwan's wiki, please. Have you got a page yet, Trent? Nobody's done it for me yet. You know how you can get a Wikipedia entry? Become a grandmaster. Oh mate,、oh. is that low blows or what? I don't know. It's low blow at the start and then low blow just to finish off. I know he's just throwing them out there today. Well, you do have a Wikipedia entry, Stephen, but it does not mention the full English breakfast. I'm very disappointed about that. Oh wow! Well, someone sort that out. That'd be great. Let's get the FEB on my page. But I didn't know、uh, Siruan lived in England when he was younger. I know it's only for a brief period, but I have no idea about that. Well, we'll be back on the next show with coverage of the Dortmund Super Tournament. Stay tuned. More from the Full English Breakfast next time, guys. It's been a pleasure. Stephen's got to get to a school play. I think that's right. He's starring in it. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>